I'm reading from Luke 24, the road to walk to Emmaus. The same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. He, we had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel, and this all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea and sure enough the body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, do you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have had to suffer these things before entering his glory. Until verse 35. Sorry? Until verse 35. Then Jesus took them through the, the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey... Jesus acted as if he was going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went and he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognised him. At that moment he appeared. Then they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour they were on their way back to Jerusalem and they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen, he has appeared to Peter. This is scripture, word of the Lord. Sound. The Billabong was uh, a dream, actually, of uh, John Whaley's. He wanted to uh, start a new congregation in Leeming. He thought, well, this is a great place for a church. It was a strategic purchase, and uh, when we first came out here, it was just a run-down block of land with nothing on it. Deborah and I bought a house, and with, with our three children, we were it. We were the congregation. I was team leader of nobody else. <laughs> Since then, we've managed to uh, develop it up a little bit uh, for use, and the housing is actually developed around us, and a uh, shopping centre across the road, and there's future shops going along next door. So we've gone from being on the outer to 
been very well located, so it's been a great purchase. The journey that we've been on is a journey that every new faith community has to go through, which is looking at faith and what our function is and what the form of it will take. Because the cross we want to have as our, as our foundation uh, for this community and, uh, and being part of the Uniting Church, that this is, you know, this is an integral part of who we are. And then in terms of function, you know, that having that holistic approach to the, the person, so being involved with parenting, training, and uh, working with children, you know, marriage courses, um, you know, anything we could think of really. We ran, we've run uh, two spring festivals where we basically just open the property up and have bouncy castles and all sorts of fun activities and just invite the community and, you know, had five or 600 people come and enjoy what we have here. Um, so promoting life in our community. And then we've extended that to say, well, it's actually about promoting life in our communities. It's not just Canning Vale, but it's actually about my, uh, where I live in my neighbourhood, in my street, and for the congregation, where they work, uh, where their kids go to school. And so we've broadened that sense of trying to, I guess, encourage people to be missioners into their, whatever community they're a part of. And the form that it takes, well, that's, uh, <laughs> that's just doing with what you have, what you can. <laughs> so, hence my little tool here, with my, uh, this is my oar at the moment, um, broken shovel, <laughs> and uh, with the, the shed, you know, that's what we've got, so that's what we use, and uh, that's no longer available, and uh, now we have a tent. People might be interested in the way that uh, we do uh, church at the Billabong. We, uh, we, we've got a real emphasis on small groups. Uh, we, we feel that it's in, actually in a small group discussion that that's where people's lives are impacted and lives are shared and stuff. So we're trying to work out, well, how can we encourage people to be in small groups? And we've done that. Uh, we've taken a very drastic step, maybe, uh, to actually cancel large group church uh, once a fortnight. So we meet for large group church, similarly to what most congregations do with worship and teaching and kids go out to the Sunday club and things like that. Uh, we do that on the second and the fourth Sundays of the month. And on the first and the third Sundays, we meet in small groups. Now those small groups are out in the community, in people's homes. Um, we have one that's on site, so that if any visitors come, there's always uh, some, something happening here. And that one is also structured to be one that's more comfortable for people who actually don't want to be part of a small group. In that particular small group, we've been looking at for the last four or five years, we've just been going through the Bible using uh, the visual Bible, uh, which is a video version, and we call it Video Church, where we watch the Gospel or Acts, uh, watch a couple of chapters, and then we discuss it. And because of that shared experience of seeing the Bible, that even non-Christians are able to engage in the discussion. And for me, that's probably the most exciting time in the month is actually that, that session where you, we've got seekers who are engaging and wanting to find out more and have thoughts and ideas because they've seen something that we've seen as well. And on the fifth Sunday, uh, which is the odd one, we try and do something different. And uh, we've done picnics, different places. Uh, we've got one coming up shortly where we're planning to have a prayer walk around the property uh, to try and get the congregation to think more about you know, what the future is in terms of development and stuff. One of the fun stories is one of our uh, young people uh, went to work and uh, she was sunburnt. And uh, people were saying, oh, Ali, why, why are you sunburnt? And she said, oh, I got sunburnt at church yesterday. You know, 
why were you, why had you get sunburned at church? Well, we, met, we had church under the trees. Why were you having church under the trees? And she said, well, because our tent was ripped and we had to, to take it down and send it away to be repaired. And I go, well, why are you meeting in a tent? And I said, well, and she said, well, the shed that we've got that we normally meet in is too small. So uh, that's no good. And I said, well, why are you meeting in a shed? And she said, because you get sunburned if you meet under the trees. <laughs> So, it's uh, the whole thing has been you know you know how do we actually you know gather together as a community and uh, and it's been really exciting. We've had uh, the playgroup ministry has been probably uh, our most uh, the biggest fishing pond for us, and a number of people have become Christians uh, through the ministry of the of the mums and the grandmas from the church who go to that, um, and then they've started coming to church and we've run Alpha and you know baptized and a confirmation of various people, so that's been very exciting. So today where we're at is uh, the, uh, we've got land, uh, which was the, you know, the gift from the, the wider synod to uh, this particular local congregation, and through uh, grants, my salary has been paid on a decreasing amount, and we're now, uh, we've finished with that, and now we're uh, self-sufficient, uh, but we don't have any facilities, and so what we've done is come up with a mission plan and a business plan about how we can uh, move forward. So we're excited about continuing that ministry and being truly a billabong, which is a, a, a reservoir of water that just retains and stays through, through the various seasons. So believe it or not, that shirt Mark was wearing is in my closet now. It's my painting shirt. <laughs> That was from 2008, Mark Ellingworth, founding pastor of the Billabong, and uh, the story of the Billabong over the last 21 years, uh, we might need to kill the bass and be careful of what's coming through there, <laughs> and drop that down a bit. There we go. That, the story of the Billabong over the last 21 years has been quite a journey, as you probably picked up from, from bits in that um, in that video. Uh, I've only had the privilege of being part of that journey for about half of those 21 years, two years after that was recorded. And so I, I love that video and other things like that because I missed all that. But through the whole journey, there's been so many highs and, and many lows and many twists and turns. Um, it's been one heck of a journey. And in the next uh, half an hour, I'm going to take a few more minutes than normal today. Um, but I want to reflect on a little the, the journey so far, where we're at now, where God might be taking us next, and most importantly, how God is shaping us over that walk with Him. Uh, as we reflect on the past, present, and future, it's important to remember that what God is most interested in is what's in here, what He's doing in us. Um, not where we've come from or where we're heading necessarily, but how that journey of walking with Jesus is shaping you and I. So, Father, thank you for this morning, and I pray that as we uh, reflect on your word and we reflect on uh, your work in our lives over the last 21 years, Lord, that today would be another opportunity to be shaped by you as you speak to us. So open our hearts and our minds to you. We pray, Holy Spirit, come and minister to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. The Billabong was 
uh, an intentional church plant, a vision for a Christian community in a new and developing suburb uh, in the hearts and minds of a few people way back prior to the year 2000. And uh, once land was purchased, it started with this, this pioneering leader, Mark. Here's one of the even earlier videos. Ministry of the United Church and uh, available to encourage and, and teach Christians. Currently I'm uh, studying a new Christian community in Canningville, living for Jesus in the 21st century in Western Australia. Aren't you glad technology's come a little way since then, <laughs> the audio-video quality? Mark was appointed uh, to lead this new venture um, with him and his wife, Deb, and their three kids. If you don't recognise Annalise in the middle and Beck and Zach there, they're all still in the room today. Um, and uh, they began to form friendships with, um, and, and run activities, mostly with neighbours around this area. They lived just down the road. And uh, a vision, a dream began to form in, uh, in their hearts for this, this new community. It was expressed this way, to know God, know and be known by our neighbours so that our neighbours would know God. And that's a photo of this written beneath us on the cement underneath this carpet. And you don't have to hear too many stories or, or, or see too many photos or videos from this early time to realize there was a lot of life in those early years. Uh, a lot of hard work as well, right? And you see some photos of the cleaning up old sheds and constructing tents and clearing the block and busy bees and all sorts of things. But because there was a God-sized vision driving those involved, um, and so many of whom are, are still, you're still here today. There was a lot of hope and faith and, and love and a, and a lot of life. And so the central mandate, as you heard Mark say before, of the church was soon expressed as promoting life in our communities and, and, then, be, and then how well with growing faith, grounded hope and generous love. And of course, that life, if you read the bit of that screenshot, means life in Jesus, the life that Jesus gives. Everything was about him and others finding life in him. Over the first 15 years, there was a number of milestones along the journey. In 2001, a shed on this block was renovated and soon after, a worshipping community with Sunday celebrations was established. Small at first, of course. Bit by bit, healthy, vibrant home churches, like small groups, were developed, placing as an emphasis on this, on real, authentic Christian community. Uh, not only did the play group that was so formative of the early days continue, but a youth group started up, along with events, as you heard, like spring festivals. And, and these were some of the vehicles, if you like, used to help move towards that vision. Of, of knowing God and knowing our neighbours, that they would find life in Jesus. And all the while, God was, was just really beginning in the early years to form a really unique, passionate, Jesus-centred community of people. Before long, the shed was too small, and, and so various tents were erected to provide more space. And all the while, a dream within a dream was bubbling, a community centre. There's a photo of some of the concept pics, and here's the model of the community centre that we are now in, made, I think, by Brian, Brian Hill at some point. And that this community centre would not just be a place of worship on a Sunday morning, but a, minute, a hub for ministry to happen from. 
um, in, in a place where the, the work, the mission of promoting life in Jesus would grow and expand and, and thrive. And then one day the opportunity came to develop the land after a long wait and a lot of work. Um, and the congregation moved off-site for a while. That's us in the, the Seventh-day Adventist Church down the road. And eventually uh, a subdivision, a lease signed, a loan granted, a successful pledge campaign, designs finalised, and voila, it all just fell into place like that. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, right. Maybe not that easily. A lot of hard work and anguish. And for the last, but for the last five and a half years, if you can believe it's been that long, um, we've, we've been in this, this centre and we've welcomed probably some 30-odd different regular tenants over that time, and, and including at least 10 or so different ministries who we've been able to partner with in various ways. And right now, six other churches worshipping here uh, with us, reaches, reaching d- different people in four different languages. Through all of this, there's been many joys, Different joys for different people, but all the result of this vision birthed in the heart of a few people 21 years ago trying their hand at church planting to know God, to know our neighbours so that they would know him too. I'm wondering just for a minute, what, what comes to mind when you think about the joys experienced over the years at the Billabong? Just shout them out. What joys do you remember most? Beach baptisms. Even if you've only been here a while, what, what, what do you remember? What's, what comes to mind when you think of the joys? Carol's, Carol's services. Surely someone's going to say sheep. <laughs> Someone else say that? Spring, Spring festivals. Yeah. This. Yeah, di- changing ways of doing worship all the time. The one consistent thing was change. Um, I'm, um, for me, what's been some of the greatest joys along the journey, because they represent life's change, is, ba- is baptisms. This represents you know, a, a, a life welcomed into God's family, and there's been many over time. And even just this week, I received an email from James in Taiwan, he got baptised here a couple of years ago. His life at the time was completely falling apart. His marriage ended. I got an email from him. He's now um, remarried, huge smile on his face, not only serving in his church, but discipling others, teaching them how to follow Jesus, reaching out to his friends who don't know Christ. And he said his life is completely turned around from a place where he was about to uh, uh, take his own life to now a point where he's helping others find life in Jesus. Just amazing. What some will also remember, though, from the journey of this church family are the challenges. The potholes along the road, if you like, the mountains in the way that needed to be climbed over or around or, or through, there's been financial setbacks. There's been long delays in the the building and all of that process. But more significantly than those things, there's been friends lost. There's been relationships that didn't go the distance. Mistakes that we made. Failures of of leaders, myself included, that have caused hurt, that have caused pain. Some things were out of our control. right? The, The pain of a presbytery decision to deny the continuation of Mark as our minister. 
other pains were self-inflicted. And so it's not all been joy. There's been a lot of heartache. But of course, God has used these experiences too to, to shape us, to form us more into his image, maybe even more so than the positive experiences. God uses the challenges to make us who he wants us to be. And all in all, through the joys, through the challenges, much has changed. We're still on the same journey. We're still on the same road. God's still working on us and in us, but the landscape is quite different now. I think our journey is not unlike that of the first disciples um, of Jesus, two of whom we read about in Luke's Gospel this morning, chapter 24, the road to Emmaus. I read this passage a few weeks back, and a number of things stood out when I read it, and I want to share them with you today. First of all, it's clear that the disciples, these two disciples, had learned and experienced a whole lot in their travels with Jesus. Verse 14 says they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. There had been many amazing experiences miraculous things that they would have encountered with Jesus. That would have been incredible joy and wonder and surprises, things that changed them and, and shaped them forever. But, this, but then there were also difficulties. And, and at this point, they faced their biggest challenge yet. Their leader and their teacher had been killed, murdered. And so they also experienced pain and discouragement. Jesus says to them, what are you discussing as you walk along? And remember, they don't realize it's Jesus at this point. And they say, it says, they stood still, their faces downcast. There's still some kind of hope they have because their friends have said, we saw Jesus alive, but they're like, I don't know. They're unsettled, they're unsure. And the initial joy of the journey has, has worn off a bit. The third thing I noticed was this. They reached their desired destination, but Jesus was going further. It says they approached the village to where they're going, and, and when they reached, but Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. And I think there's parallels here with our journey as a church. While being part of the billabong might not quite be on par with walking with Jesus for three years in the flesh, that's a pretty uh, exciting and and, and profound thing, but there have been many highs. There have been many wonderful memories, many great experiences. Then there's also been setbacks. There's been challenges and pain and discouragement. And from time to time, we've reached a point where it seems like we've reached our destination, like the end of the road. In some cases, uh, not the desired destination. From my understanding, there was one point where the congregation got to a place with the vi- this vision for the community center and the means just weren't there and the dream had to be set aside. And it was like, okay, maybe this is, this is, this, this is as far as we go. But then things turned around, the means were there, and one day we did reach that dream. And so maybe now, if 2015, it's time to put our feet up a bit and, and, and just do church. We've arrived, we're here, end of the road. And yet, at every point where it seems like this is the end of the journey, Jesus has seemed to have other ideas. He's going further. He's still got work to do in us. Let's go back to the Emmaus story, because this is where there's a turning point for the two disciples. They reached the house, and verse 29 says, But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. 
I wonder what's on their mind here. What are these two guys thinking as, as they say this to Jesus? Remember, not knowing it's Jesus yet. I think they'd be thinking, we're not, we're not satisfied yet. There's still more to explore with this, this guy, clearly. Something's going on here. We still have questions. And what comes to mind for me as I read this is Moses saying to God, if your presence does not go with us, Lord, do not lead us up from here. You heard that before? Moses says, don't, we can't go on, Lord. We can't go here if, you, if your presence is not with us. You need to be with us. We need you with us. And, and as Jesus agrees to stay with these two disciples, what happens is that their eyes are opened. They see him clearly, who he really is. Their eyes were open. They recognize him, verse 31 says. He had been there all along. They were drawn to him. They, 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 they were just, wow, what is, who is this guy? But now their eyes were opened, and the effect was this. The desired destination changed. It says they got up at once, verse 33, and returned to Jerusalem. And so the setback, the the challenge that their leader's gone, this had been overcome. The desire to retreat to to comfort at home was no more. And the original vision from when they walked and talked with Jesus as his disciples, that vision of a, a life in this direction serving him, this had not only been restored, but it had become more clear than ever now because the resurrected Jesus is in front of them. I believe we're at a similar turning point as a church family. We reached a goal, a big goal, five and a half years ago. This community center established, and it was a great celebration when that happened. But it's not the final destination. And Jesus is going further. He's still working on us. And and as we've recognized that and said, don't let us go on without your presence, Lord. My sense is that the original dream the original vision that God had for us is actually becoming clearer than it ever was before. A vision that may go out of focus when we, when we face mountains in our way, challenges. And may go out of focus when we reach important milestones. We think maybe this is the end of the road. But this is a vision that's bigger and more important than any one milestone along the way. Every follower of Jesus and every church has essentially the same vision and dream they're moving towards. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That would be one of the simplest and most biblical and straightforward ways to put it. Maybe to flesh that out a little bit, I would say that it's God's family growing and healthy. And it's God's kingdom, which means his will done on earth, his kingdom established on earth. And this is the vision, I think, that I I see in the Scriptures for every church, for every believer, which, of course, will only come to completion when Jesus returns. But every church family must explore and must be able to express its part in that vision as a part of the family, a family within God's bigger family, the dream of God for this family in this little patch of the world. And so for the next few minutes, I want you to dream with me a little and, and imagine that the original vision statement, that, that, that this has become a reality, this, this dream to know God, know and be known by our neighbors so that our neighbors would go, know God. 
So you might like to close your eyes, might just like to look at the ceiling and imagine with me, whatever. Um, but let, let's let, dream with me for, for a few minutes. Imagine a Christian community where the depth of relationship with God that everyone has it just means there's just a tangible joy and peace about the place that is undeniable. Imagine a, a, a church family that, that really knows, like knows the people on our streets, our workplaces, what they're struggling with, what their needs are. And so there's this prayer list of hundreds of people that collectively we are praying for and seeking to meet their needs together. Imagine that as a result of this, this love of, of God and people, the Lord is, as Acts 2 says, adding to their number daily those who are being saved. Adding to our number daily those who are being saved. But imagine also a, as a natural overflow of God shaping us this way and resulting in more people becoming part of the family. Imagine playgroups and, and youth groups and alpha and marriage courses uh, that we've been doing for many years, not just in this community centre, but in venues around our region because that's where our neighbours are. Those are the communities we're seeking to bring Jesus to. Imagine hearing testimonies regularly of marriages that were about to end but have now been restored through the power of the Holy Spirit and, and the love of God through his people. Imagine families coming and saying, we were, we were so broken and disconnected from each other and from God, but now we pray together every night. And the parents saying, our kids teach us from the scriptures what they're learning and it, it lifts us up. Imagine a church family that's far from perfect, but, but it's a refuge, that we are a refuge for people with addictions and past traumas and hurts. And, and, and there's people who tell us, you know what, my life is an absolute mess. And, and no family would have me, but now this is my family that has accepted me. And we see God changing them, and we see God changing us because of those relationships. Imagine that there's... Many, many people who, who lay down so much in order to, to serve the broken and to love people, even to the point of giving up jobs, but there's no one in need because others use the overflow of resource God has given them to ensure that no one has need, like in Acts 4. And imagine that our church family grows because naturally it will if all of this is happening, but rather than a new auditorium to fit everyone in, there's now multiple worshipping communities like this one. Small enough to care, but big enough to dare, and we're spread around different suburbs. All part of this multifaceted Billabong family. And a few more things. Imagine these Billabongers worshipping in, in Banjup and, and Byford and, and Maddington and Rockingham and Mandra. And imagine maybe in microchurches, in homes, uh, because they're... This is where their neighbours and their colleagues are, are and are now praying for those people in those communities. Imagine even other community centres established that do different things, that, that, that are used for different ministries alongside different churches. And imagine impact on the local community like suicide rates and, and occurrence of domestic violence dropping over the course of the next 10 years in Canning Vale, but even in other suburbs because part of our church family in that 
area together with Christian, other Christian communities, prayed and fasted and, and worked with government authorities to really make a difference. Now let me pause for a second there. This is just what comes to mind for me when I imagine how God's vision might play out for us. The specifics might be very different, and it might look very different to that. But the essence of this is, again, a Christian family that's healthy and growing and thriving, and in partnership with Jesus is actually making an impact, i.e. seeing God's kingdom come on earth around us. And we've expressed the vision in different ways over the years, uh, but what the leadership team feel now is the most sincere expression of that vision today is that we want to be a thriving family transforming our communities with Jesus. As simple as that. A thriving family, just on an, in a, na- a natural level, is, is healthy. It, it grows physically, emotionally, spiritually. It, it multiplies sometimes. It's dynamic. It changes. In other words, individuals grow up, and when relationships are, are healthy, families extend because marriages happen, and, and new birth happens, and new pains and new joys. And, and so these kinds of things we would see in a healthy, thriving, natural family, we desire the same as a church family, to be relationally healthy and, and, and growing spiritually, physically, in other words, thriving. And that the natural overflow of that is, a, is an unmistakable impact on the communities we inhabit in our day-to-day lives, our neighborhoods, workplaces, schools, real transformation in the lives of those around us. We know that we can only do this with Jesus, though. Jesus it's actually only him who can do it, and yet we read in the scriptures he wants to partner with us. He wants us to partner with him in this kingdom work. I wonder if we just take a, a one-minute pause there and just close your eyes and go, God, what is it that this might look like in my life, in my family's life, to be part of a church heading in this direction. Just close your eyes and just pray on that for 30 seconds before I move on to the next bit. Just, just want you to take 20 seconds and just turn to someone next to you and, and share what, what comes to mind. Um, and then we'll, we'll come back into the next bit. Do that just for the next 10 or 20 seconds.
I hope that just that image of, of, of thriving, a thriving family, excites you. And that um, you think about the kind of fun that you have uh, with family or friends. Because, um, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, as the Wren Collective guys say, um, seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> joy is. And so we see joy in this family. Joy that is infectious. That goes into the life of others. But at this point, as, as we think about where are we heading, it brings me to the most important point of today. And that is, what is the pathway that will take us there? The pathway on which God is forming us and shaping us and leading us towards a vision where more, we are more and more like Jesus along the way. A vision of the future is great. I love dreaming about what could be, what might be. But what about right now? What about today? What about tomorrow? What's the next step, step by step, that's going to take us towards that horizon and, and, and keep us focused on what God is doing in us? This has been the point of much prayer, the most prayer and discussion and, and reflection for our team over the last basically three years now. Because we recognize this is the most important question. It shapes everything we do. You know, what is it that we exist for? This shapes every priority, every dollar spent, every job description. It keeps us in check. And if we're really honest, we actually haven't been that clear on this for some time. What do we exist for? What are we here to do? What will take us next step by step towards God's plan and vision for our church? And in a nutshell, here's what we feel it is to be disciples and make disciples. Now, maybe that sounds a little anticlimactic um, or just sort of generally Christian to you. I thought, yeah, of course, it's disciples. But the reality is that we have at times, not always, but certainly at times, gotten so caught up in doing church and running programs and, 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 and trying to even win converts and grow ministries and all of this important stuff. But the core mission and focus of actually being disciples of Jesus, who make disciples of Jesus, can actually become second priority. To be clear, a disciple of Jesus is... It, to be a disciple of Jesus is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did, a huge part of which is to multiply, to make disciples, which may or may not mean all of the stuff we give much of our attention to. And so it's time to bring it back to what Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. It's time for us to rediscover what it really means to be disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. Practically speaking, there are four things that we do as a church that help us to live this out. Celebrations, life groups, Intentional programs and activities, you've got youth group and play group and courses and, and whatnot, and, and our community centre and what happens around this centre and through this centre. Um, our team have been referring to these as our vehicles because they're the primary ways or methods in which we are able to live out the mission. Different churches have different vehicles. Some have a school, like Kerry Baptist. Some, some have conferences, sporting club ministries. But we don't have things, those things. We have these four vehicles. 
And, and the, the first priority in the next few years for us, and, and this has been a long time coming, and Aaron messaged me and said, look, we've come full circle, because the, the big priority for us in the next little while is life groups. There are many ways we can grow as disciples of Jesus through all of these areas, and, and many ways we can make disciples through our Sunday celebrations, specific ministries, playgroup, youth group, etc., um, blokes and women's ministry, courses, but life groups are the place where the greatest potential currently lies for us to be disciples and make disciples at a deeper level and, and to develop that. Developing authentic relationships with each other, bearing each other's burdens, sharing the disciple-making challenge with, with others in smaller settings. If we see this shift and see this develop, it's going to be a big milestone for us. I'll share a little more on that at the AGM, and we're going to have a time of Q&A later on with the whole team, how we're going to start developing and strengthening our life groups. But for the time being, we just want you to know that um, helping you and your life groups flourish is our priority going forward, because they are so central to what God is doing among us. But beyond this first priority and focus area, which is our first priority and focus area in the next little while... But beyond this, we as a leadership team also foresee another important milestone in the next couple of years, an important step that will give us more opportunity to be disciples and make disciples. Uh, 21 years ago, we started off as a church plant and have grown into a family, this, this family, over 21 years. And so as we work towards Christ-likeness, wholeness, thriving, we believe this will lead to a new worshipping community. You might like to call that a church plant. Um, and this as a step towards being worshipping communities and establishing new worshipping communities in different places. This will need, uh, just this first step will need a healthy, vibrant base of life groups. A healthy core of people committed and called to worship in most likely a different location. Still part of the family, but moved into a new home, so to speak. And only when this helps us be and make disciples will it happen. Not, tomorrow, not today, not tomorrow. But it will happen, God willing. Exactly how, exactly where and when, I don't know. We don't know yet. But should we stick to the mission and, and our priorities from this day forward, we, we do feel it will be in the next couple of years. Right now, our, our request as a leadership team is that we pray, that we seek God. In, in one week from today, Holy Week begins, the, leak, the week leading up to Good Friday and Easter. And uh, next Sunday, we're going to, after the service, we, we're beginning a week of prayer, trying our best to fill a 24-hour a day for seven days prayer roster which I really encourage you to sign up for. There's a sheet over there. You'll get an email link today um, on which you can do that. All we can really do that bears any good fruit is listen to God and obey what he's saying, which takes faith, it takes guts, it takes risk. But in the end, God's more concerned with who we're becoming on the journey than the journey itself. He's, he's forming us. He's shaping us. He's working on you. He's working on me, thank goodness. And I, I really believe that God will speak to us as a family in the next few weeks. And so my, my request is, is this, that listen with me 
listen with us as a leadership team. This is our journey to walk with him, to talk with him, become more like him. Disciples who make disciples. The worship team can come up. We're going to sing this morning songs which are simply about glorifying God. And Father, I pray that as we do that this morning, as we, we turn our eyes to you and we, we give you glory for who you are and how worthy you are, Jesus, that our hearts would be oriented the right way, that our eyes would come off of ourselves and be placed onto you and what you are doing so that as we see what you are up to around us in this world, we would just step into that. Thank you, God, that your desire is that your kingdom would come on this earth, that your will would be done in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Show us what you're doing, Father God, and help us to step into your work. We pray in Jesus' name.